Welcome to We Are The Family Room, a podcast for expecting parents and young families to learn, find support, and be real during one of the biggest transitions of your life. Just like our two physical locations in Los Angeles, we hope this is a space that makes you feel a little less alone in your parenting journey and a lot like you are doing amazing. My name is Karen Stottero, and I will be your host. Most children between ages 18 and 24 months can recognize and label gender groups. They may identify others as boys or girls or masculine and feminine. Most can also label their own gender by the time they reach three. We know sex assigned at birth and gender identity are two different things. In toddlers, the idea of gender identity can be very fluid, but generally around ages five or six, most children are rigid about gender and preferences, often due to social pressures. Thousands of children in the United States now openly identify as a gender different from the one they were assigned at birth, their numbers surging amid growing recognition of transgender identity and rights. As I was researching this topic, a lot of the information I found was about supporting adolescents who are questioning their gender, not information on supporting young children. That is exactly what my guest is here to discuss. With me today is Erica Peterson to share her story of supporting her transgender child. Hi, Erica, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. We've actually met, right? You are my friend Katie's sister-in-law, and I think we met at her baby shower. Is that right? Indeed. Yes, we did. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to see you again. It was a long time ago. (laughs) It was. Yep. So it's nice to see you again. And to really um, discuss this deeply personal topic. Yes, it's it's such a privilege for me to be able to share our story. And um, I pride myself and my husband does as well. We pride ourselves on being totally open books. That is sometimes uncomfortable, as you might imagine, but it is necessary in our minds. It's our way to help the cause and to be um, allies for our daughter and people like her. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know because I I thought of you and I texted Katie. Do you think your sister-in-law would be open to discussing this? I know, you know, just like hedging it. And she was like, no, I think she'd love to share their story. And then like two seconds later, I was like, you agreed. And I was like, amazing. Yes, Katie knows me very well. Hi, Katie. And um, I got the text and read it and replied within five seconds. So yeah, this is something I, I <laughs> yes, I I feel very called to, um, to share when asked, you know, um, and there's, there's nothing that anyone could ask me. And there are a lot of personal questions regarding this topic, you know, but um, there's nothing anyone could ask me that would make me feel uncomfortable. Um, I think it's so important given all the misinformation and disinformation out there um, to be able to myth bust. A lot of a lot of the stuff out there comes from people who have never talked to the parent of a trans child um, or a transgender person. Um, and a lot of it involves parents and families like mine are often caught in the middle. And sometimes I, I get really frustrated because parents can be thrown under the bus pretty easily. 
Um, and nobody really wants to ask us what we think or what our experience is like. And yet they have a lot to say about us, um, in, especially in certain parts of the country, you know. And so um, it's a real honor and pleasure, really, to be able to share anything I can. Yeah, I mean, because really there is no roadmap, right? Like you are all sort of trailblazers at this point. And that must be daunting um, on so many levels. So let's just let's just like really just dive in. So tell us about your family. Uh, you have a daughter, Finn. When did you notice Finn expressing a gender identity different than the one assigned at birth? What we noticed probably first is more of her not expressing boy than very overtly expressing girl. Um, and that was very early on. I mean, I remember even as a baby, and sure, some of this might be hindsight, I'll admit to that. Um, but even as a baby, she was, and I mean like older baby, okay, but so like baby toddler, she was so much more quiet and gentle and soft, just like my friends with baby girls, rather than that, like more rambunctious boy energy, you know, that I saw more in friends with boys. Um, you know, when, when people have toddler, toddlers in general, I think that especially boys, you know, there's a lot of like, Oh, I'm chasing, chasing them around the house and all of that. And I just never, we never really had to do that with Finn. Finn was not like climbing up walls and on tables and like all of that sort of thing. Um, she hated getting dirty outside. She hated being messy inside. She was grossed out really easily. I realize these are like, you know, silly gender stereotypes. I've, I've studied a lot about gender and um, sexuality and women's studies and things like that. I, I did a lot of that in college and graduate school. So I'm, I'm sensitive to how silly all of these things are. I want to, I want to go on the record and say that, but sometimes there is a bit of truth to these things. So, um, you know, she, she hated bugs and, you know, uh, wasn't interested in anything movement related, like sports or anything like that. Um, she wasn't interested in like activities that a lot of little boys would want to do. Like my dad loves to go fishing. And so when we would be at my parents' cabin, um, we live in Minnesota where there are a lot of lakes and my parents have a cabin on a lake. And, you know, I know my dad really dreamed of fishing off the dock, you know, with his grandson and um, that never really happened. And that, that could get a little awkward, you know, for me and John and, probably Finn too. Um, also, Finn was never interested in those typical kinds of things that little boys are interested in, like cars and trucks and superheroes and like those movies and television shows that are geared more toward boys. And also, this, this is another awkward thing. Um, oftentimes, gifts that were given to her at that age she just had no interest in. And, and, you know, it was so awkward because um, I felt bad because some of these gifts, you know, were not inexpensive. Um, and I would just sort of be like, I'm so sorry. Um, 
person just isn't interested. I didn't really know what to say. And so as, a, as an English professor myself, I would like to give a public service announcement. Just get his books, you know, just get them books. If you don't know what else to do, books are always a great idea. So, so in the really younger years, I would say like, <clears throat> like 18 months to three years, something like that. It was more about not expressing boy, but, you know, like two, three, um, that's when the expression of girl really started to kick in. She was really naturally drawn to girl things. Um, we were, you know, that family who had like pretty gender, neut gender neutral toys and things like that. She was bored by all of them. Um, I remember one time um, she was pretty early with language and actually very slow with gross motor. So very, very late walker, early talker. But I remember one time, probably two or three, she seemed so bored <laughs> with her toys. And I said, Finn, why don't you play with your toys? And she said, like, clear as a bell. She said, if I had toys I liked, I would play with them. And I said, what toys would you like? And she said, dolls. And I said, you got it. And as I was preparing for, for this podcast today, I, I, I was thinking about that. And somewhere around that time, I don't know which one came first or second, but somewhere around that time, she was at um, her grandparents' house, uh, Katie's parents. They live next door. And so she was over there, and her grandmother had dug out this really old Barbie doll. And I don't know that up until that point I had ever seen Finn so excited about a toy. I mean, truly, I don't think I'd ever seen her so excited. Um, I want to quick interrupt myself and say it's – tricky for me to to talk about Finn um, in her younger years and use the she her pronouns because she you know to us at that time was a boy even though she was not really expressing boy and was very drawn to girl things and all of that so I just want to tell the listeners if you hear me say he him that is why um, because we can get into this later but um, the pronoun switch did not actually happen until age nine so um, so I just want to give a heads up about that and and tell everybody that it's like totally normal if, if the mom <laughs> struggles with stuff like that you know you're you're normal all of you if you struggle with that as well. Um, so yeah, the rest is really history. Um, so two, three, four, five, it was a big interest in fashion. I mean, I, I think one of the first shows that Finn was really interested in that wasn't a cartoon was Project Runway Junior, which was filmed years ago, but it's so good. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, really beautiful show, very encouraging to these teenage um, designers. And then also she got really into makeup, which was so cool. Um, really into dress up as well. We had, um, as Finn's uh, Katie can attest, we had lots of gowns and wigs and high heels and everything in our playroom. And, you know, often she would only wear that clothing at home. And so um, 
for like probably two years straight. The moment she came home from wherever she was during the day, whether it was um, daycare, I was home with her part-time, but if I was teaching, um, she went to daycare. And if she was there that day, when she would come home, she would take off her boy clothes and immediately put on an Elsa dress and an Anna wig, which is sort of an interesting fashion statement. <laughs> um, yeah, at this and at this point, are you and John like looking at each other thinking something's different? Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. And we I will say that the worries that we had back then in this odd way were so much more than they are now, because now we know, and we can get into this later if you wish, but now we know that all of this has gone fairly smoothly. But back then I had for sure some sleepless nights because I thought, I don't know what this means. I don't know. I mean, it was never an issue of us not 110% accepting her, loving her, supporting her. Um, and our families were so cool about it. I mean, we didn't really ever talk about it much, but like this little boy was running around in like full hair and makeup sometimes, or at least, you know, gowns and wigs and was not interested in little boy things. And everyone just went with it. And I just like, it's fun to be able to like put on the public record, like how incredible that was. But yes, John and I definitely behind closed doors um, had concerns, not, not about Finn. We, we always supported Finn and wanted her to be just exactly who she was. But of course, um, you know, we, we live in the Midwest. We live in a small town. We didn't know if our family would be rejected. We didn't know if Finn would be safe. We didn't know if Finn would be bullied when school time came. Um, and there were many times that we would kind of talk ourselves into and out of, like, I wonder if she's transgender or no, she's not transgender because all the stories I've heard about transgender kids is that like the moment they have language, they say, no, you guys have got it wrong. I am a girl or I am a boy. Stop calling me girl. I'm a boy or stop calling me boy. I'm a girl. And that isn't what happened with us. And, you know, this was several years ago. Now we understand these things can be broader, you know, more broadly defined, I guess. Um, so, so getting to the language piece, Finn didn't say that, but definitely said very, from very early on things like, I wish I was a girl. Can I be a girl? Can you make me a girl? Um, my mother told me a couple years ago, I never knew this, but she told me that when we were out of town, when John and I were out of town and my parents were babysitting, um, this is when Finn was three. She did tell my mom, I am a girl. Um, and then one time, the same age, I remember this was the one that really broke my heart as a mother. Um, I was in her bedroom with her and she had had a babysitter the night before. And this particular babysitter 
had beautiful long hair. And I said, Hey, did you have fun with the babysitter last night? And, um, and she said, yeah, I had fun. And she looked really sad. And I was like, Oh, tell me, tell me more. And she said, I just, I love her long hair. And I was like, Oh yeah, she, she has beautiful hair. Doesn't she? And just like someone so much older than her years, she said, I would love myself if I had long hair. And it just like cut me to the core because I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this, there's something that you are feeling where you feel not like the way that you are is not, something is not jiving here, right? Um, so yeah, that's, um, did you feel like you have to wear boy clothes when you go to daycare or was there discussions about what could and could not be worn outside of the house as you were sort of navigating this like really early period in their life and in this journey? It's a really good question. Surprisingly, no. Finn just had this understanding or acceptance, I guess, is a better word, that like when we go in public, these are the clothes I wear. Because Finn understood this assignment of boy placed upon her. And so she never really questioned that. And so she wore boy clothes, you know. But her her language or communication to us was more like, I wish I were a girl. Or can you make me a girl? So she never really fought boys clothes or anything like that um but it was really fun then when she transitioned um socially certainly not medically as a as a nine-year-old it's only a social transition like you know clothing and pronouns and switching of bathrooms and things like that that's when I got really fun because she switched clothing and for the first time just was so excited about what she was wearing and I think about those early years and I think, you know, she was really walking around in drag in a sense, you know, because she was performing boy, but that's not who she is. And that just, that must've been so hard for her. And she was um, in our home. It wasn't as visible to family and friends outside of our home, but in our home, she was, um, really unsettled a lot of the time um, and often seemed unhappy. And we just assumed as you would, like maybe that's her personality. And she, and then in public, she was very quiet and shy and kind of introverted. And then we realized she put on these gowns and wigs and she would come alive. And we thought like, oh, she's becoming a character. Now in hindsight, we realized oh, that's who she really is. And that's who she is today. She, she has her regular, um, you know, girl clothing and that's who she is. She's finally able to express that, that girl that is inside that she deeply knows herself to be, you know. So that's sort of interesting that we thought she was dressing up and playing a character, but really the, the real thing was coming out and it wasn't this quiet kind of whiny, which is a rude word to say about your own child, I'm sure, but like parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, 
unhappy, unsettled person. That's, that was because she probably felt trapped, you know? Yeah. And just unseen. And those were the moments where she could really tap into who she was. And in those moments are, are just joy. I'm sure. Like when you said, like when she finally was able to wear clothes that she felt she loved. Right. And a, align with who she is. Yeah. She was exuberant. She was exuberant. And I have to just, I have to say again, on the public record, her father is the most wonderful, wonderful dad that this child could possibly have. I remember I miss these days because they were so funny. Um, I wouldn't go back to them because Finn was not able to be fully herself, but so I don't miss them, miss them. But um, I have these wonderful memories of when John would come home from work and Finn would be in her Elsa costume and on a wig and they would do uh, what they called WrestleMania on the um, living room floor. And for Finn being so like delicate and soft and quiet and effeminate, WrestleMania was such a dainty thing to watch. And I watched this man that I fell in love with my first week of college, you know, quote unquote wrestling with this little boy in a dress, you know? And I thought I fall in love with you more every single day. Like I love, I just, he has nailed it. He's just nailed it. And I I know that's not always true with couples. And um, I know how lucky I am. Yeah, because it's a process for everybody, right? Like there has to be some level of, I would think, grieving what you thought you, your family looked like. And then also, um, I would just think like just the uncertainty and the fear involved in it. Like you don't like, like you said, like, will my child be safe? Will my child be seen like we, we've read terrible and terrible statistics about depression and suicide among transgendered youth right so they don't not everyone has supportive parents like the two of you so that's a huge testament to both of you because it's really really hard to show up for your kids when you're going through your own stuff and that's really one of the biggest challenges of parenthood right like that I always say my kids always make me better um, because I always think about what I'm modeling to them and what do they need and sort of pushes me to like get out of my comfortable space maybe. So it's, it's a hard, I mean, I can't imagine, especially living in a small town, like you said, all of those things, so many implications, the fact that you were able to love unconditionally and show up for her is just like the greatest gift and each other and each other, because I'm sure there are everyone's journeys, their own and everyone takes their time. Right. So I'm sure for a lot of couples, like you eventually both get there, but not always at the same time and on the same path. Right. And I was actually just going to say that, that I've learned through um, talking with a couple of other parents of trans kids that the couple's, often are going through their own thing, you know, where they're coming to terms with this at different times and all of that. And that is not our story. And, and after talking to some other people, 
I realize how lucky we are. We've just always been on the same page. And I'm so grateful for that because this is hard enough, right? Worrying about worrying about your child and are they going to be okay, you know, for the rest of their life, are they going to be all right? That's a big thing to think about. And um, John and I have just always been on the same page. And, um, and I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, Um, we, we decided pretty early on, you know, we had quite a few uh, closed door conversations um, that, that we, you know, didn't really tell anyone about. Um, and we decided very early on that we weren't going to, <clears throat> excuse me, that we weren't going to apply any labels to Finn. We would just let Finn be Finn and love Finn and let Finn lead the dance and trust that one day Finn would let us know who Finn was. And, um, you know, we, we didn't want to, um, be, (laughs) be accused as is sometimes done, which is so silly, um, of, you know, making our child trans (laughs) quote unquote, which is, you know, not even a thing. Um, but we didn't, we didn't want to, we didn't want to be in charge of identifying what what Finn's label was or anything like that. And I actually, I want to say that that's something that has been really surprising to me that Finn has told me after transitioning or coming out that she wishes that we would have been more uh, direct with her about what transgender meant. And like, we were being so careful about like, you know, being really open and just supporting her and whatever, like you want another dress and another wig, you got it. And you want more dolls, you got it. Um, but all this time, like that wasn't enough, you know, and here she was not confused about who she was. She always knew who she was, but didn't know it was a thing to like she's since told us like I felt like a girl like I am a girl but I didn't know that I was allowed to like I didn't know that was a thing you know it would have been helpful to me those years ago to know this is actually a thing that happens to people and we the science is probably still (laughs) happening and coming through and whatever but um I, I just want to say that, that like there is somewhere in the middle between, you know, not wanting to, um, you know, influence or whatever, which again, I think is a bit silly. And also, you know, talking with them about like these, these are all the different identities. And by the way, like I mentioned before, we, we love books and we had, a, we have a million books on all sorts of topics and, um, all, we had a lot of books about gender, but all of them were about boys who liked girl things, you know, so gender creative children, but not, you know, exactly on the nose trans children in terms of, um, you know, I know in the umbrella of gender, anything other than cisgender 
which is where the gender assigned at birth is exactly how you identify, um, you know, where, anyway, the, the, the books that we had were what we were sort of seeing in our own child, which was a boy who really, really liked girl things. We wanted to have all these books around and say, like, this is totally great. Look, there's a book about a boy who loves dresses and, you know, all of that. But it was really good to know that, like, as, as much as our hearts were in the right place, we kind of missed that. And certainly she knew, like, we had talked about the word. But. Well, it's, it's hard. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's hard because, like, it's a, it's a fine line of not wanting to, quote, unquote, encourage it, whatever that means, right? Like, you're really just showing up for your kid. But then, like, how sophisticated of language and concept can you give them at that age? So were you getting support from, like, a child psychiatrist or psychologist or someone with experience in this field to help sort of guide you? Or at what point did you raise your hand or read a book or get outside support to help navigate that? Because I don't, I don't know, I wouldn't, like I said in the beginning, like, there's no, there's no playbook for this. Yeah, um, we reached out for help uh, when Finn was, let's see, Finn had turned eight and had expressed wanting to know other kids like her. And so I found this group in the Twin Cities. We live right outside the Twin Cities um, called Transforming Families. And it's for trans kids or questioning kids, non-binary kids, gender creative kids, and their families. And incidentally, we had planned to go to the first support group. And a couple days before that, Minnesota shut down because of the pandemic. And so we had to wait an entire year and two months until Finn could meet someone like her. And we, John and I, could meet parents like us. Because until that point, so Finn was nine by that point, until that point, John was the only parent of a trans kid that I had ever met. And I was the only parent of a trans kid he had ever met. So then when Finn turned nine, pandemic was still in full force. I mean, it was 2021. Um, and there was this one day when Finn and I were sitting on the couch after school and she just seemed really sad, like beyond her years, sad. And I said, let's just sit here and, and snuggle. I can tell something is on your mind. If you want to tell me, I'm right here. If not, we can just snuggle. And before long, she said, I feel like I'm depressed. And she used the question mark at the end of that sentence. And to hear a nine-year-old, you know, use that word was, and the, the question mark, you know, implies that, like, she didn't know if she was allowed to use a word, like, so big for, you know, that age. It was just sort of heartbreaking. Um, and I said, tell me more, you know. And she said, well, I, she said, what does transgender mean again? And as I was saying before, we we hadn't been like overtly, you know, we hadn't been overtly talking about it, but we also hadn't avoided the word. So certainly the word had come up. Okay. 
so she said, what does transgender mean again? And I said, in, you know, the most nine-year-old way I could, you know, it's where your body parts don't necessarily match who you feel like you are on the inside. And she kind of like cocked her head and looked at me and she said, oh, so like me. And I was like, huh, is that how, is that how you feel? And she said, yeah. And I thought back to this, this, these conversations that John and I had behind closed doors where like, we're going to let Finn lead the dance. Finn will let us know one day who Finn is. And on that couch that day, when Finn was nine years old, I was like, okay, Finn has let us know who she is. And by the end of the day, I had a therapist set up. And the therapist had a therapy dog named Jasper, which was even better. <laughs> so, so that was like the spring of 2021, then was in third grade. And we did about three sessions with the therapist and it was wonderful. And, you know, all three of us were doing just fine. A lot of the work that, that this therapist had to do, she told us with other families is like the kid is fine. It's like getting the parents on board. <laughs> and, but for the three of us, we were all fine. We were just trying to figure out like, now what do we do? How then shall we live our lives? Right. And so she helped us navigate that. And we made a plan for, you know, telling our very close family, you know, uh, our parents and siblings, so Finn's grandparents and aunts and uncles. And we sent out um, an email. Um, we have a lot of people who, uh, Finn's got two sets of aunts and uncles who live on either coast. And then my parents are four hours away and my brother and his family are in the twenties. So we just thought it was easier to send an email with all the information and whatever and let people kind of digest it on their own. Um, and then we were off and running. And then, you know, like a month later, um, Finn asked uh, just John and me in our home to change pronouns just to see how that felt for her. And then, you know, maybe a couple of weeks after that, we told really close friends. Now we're into summer. And then we kept like widening the net. And then by the time um, August rolled around, she had decided, or actually it was like right before, right before school started, she decided, I, I want to be publicly a girl. Um, I want everybody to say she, her, I want to wear girls clothes. She had already started growing out her hair when the pandemic started because a lot of people did that because we could get haircuts, right? <laughs> so she just kept growing it. We didn't care. Um, so, so yeah, that is when we quote unquote, like reached out for help. Um, but after those couple of first sessions, I think because the three of us were doing okay, we just kind of needed to come together with an outside person. Um, that's really all we needed uh, at that time. And um, yeah, everything since then has gone pretty well. How did it go with like friends, right? So, and just like other little kids, like how was Finn received? How were the parents? Uh, what was that process like? So <laughs> anyone who might be listening to this, who knows our family and has known Finn for a long time, 
will nod when they hear me say, no one was surprised. <laughs> um, Finn, Finn has always been different. And, and I don't like the word different because it has kind of a pejorative tinge to it. So our family always said unique. I mean, even when Finn was like two, three, four, we talked about this very openly. Like, Finn, you are unique. You are a boy who loves girl things and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so everyone that we knew or had known us, it was not a big deal. It was certainly not a surprise. Um, I will say none of the kids cared at all. A couple of them, their parents, who we are friends with, um, even reported that when they talked to them, to, to the kids, the kids were like, oh, I've, I've kind of always just thought of Finn as female anyway. You know, like kids don't, they just don't care. You know, Finn is Finn. Finn isn't, you know, this set of uh, checkboxes on paper, right? Finn is just Finn. And so all of that went really smoothly. I think that it, um, what, what has made our situation go a lot more smoothly than others is that Finn has been this way since day one. That isn't always true. Sometimes these things do become more, um, more confusing or more noticeable or whatever, you know, after puberty or whatever. Finn's was very early on. Um, so that was kind of like wind at our back, you know, in a sense. Um, but yeah, no one was really surprised. Um, that, that first summer when we were, you know, changing pronouns and leading up to this more public coming out, I had... I kept track in my phone. I think it was somewhere between 60 and 80 conversations with people. Um, it was like my job that summer um, with, aside from that big email to our close, close family, like our parents and siblings, I had text and phone and in-person conversations with all of those people that I listed in my phone. So I wouldn't forget like who I talked to. Um, and all of them went really well. And, uh, but I will say, and this, these are people all over the political spectrum. I want to say that. And all over the religious spectrum. And not one time was a person disrespectful to me. But every time I picked up my phone or opened my mouth in person or got my phone out to text somebody, I was scared. Like every single time. Until I got through all the list of people and then anyone, um, everyone else, we, we, we told everyone else in the Christmas letter the next year. Um, but every, yeah, every time I was scared, I thought like, is this the time I'm going to be rejected? And not I, our family, Finn. And that was really mentally a lot. Um, you know, I was talking with, lifelong friends from my conservative hometown. I was talking to, you know, extended family, all sorts of things, people in, in my current town that's small. Um, and they probably vote, some of them probably vote differently than I do. And everyone was really, really good. 
and I'm, I, I know how lucky I am. Um, and if, if possible, I would love to share the story of telling my 99 year old grandmother, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, please do. All right. So she was the first person that Finn wanted to tell besides our parents and siblings. So Finn is the person who made my grandma Helen a great grandmother. Okay. And we were at her house. Um, this was probably just like a couple weeks after that big email went out to our parents and siblings. This is early on in this process. We were playing a game at the card table as you do with your 99 year old grandmother. And Finn leaned over and whispered in my ear, I want to tell her. And I said, okay. And my grandmother is just the most wonderful, lovely person. Her name is Helen. In Greek, that means light. She totally fits that name. And I said, okay, do you want to tell her or would you like me to tell her? Because John and I always want to offer to do the hard things if we can, if she wants us. And she said, you tell her. I said, okay. And I said, Grandma, let's just pause the game for a second. Finn has some really, really um, big news. And by the way, like everyone who's known Finn, obviously knew that Finn was unique all these years. So not a shocker. But I said, Finn has some big news. Um, Finn is now identifying as transgender, which means she has always felt like a girl on the inside and wants to explore um, expressing that a little bit more. And my grandma Helen said, oh, isn't that wonderful? And, and she, um, she's ELCA Lutheran, and um, which I might add is the first mainline Protestant denomination who ordained um, clergy in the LGBTQ community. So whoop whoop for that. Um, and she said, um, God loves all of us just as we are. You know, I knew she'd like add something like that, which was so comforting, you know. And then she said, you know, my eyes and my ears don't work very well anymore. And you still love me. And what I felt like she was telegraphing so beautifully was that she could relate in her own small way that like her inside was different from her outside. Like her inside was still sharp and you know, whatever, but her outside, her eyes and her ears were different. And I thought that was so um, gracious of her to do that. So I immediately you know, I look at John and I'm like, I gotta go. And I ran into the bathroom and completely let loose. And this was the first time we had told someone in person. And, you know, my 99-year-old my grandmother set the bar, you know, and um, it was just a beautiful experience. And then just one more short story, kind of along those religious lines, we, our family also goes to an ELCA Lutheran church that um, John's family has gone to for years. And their longtime pastor, who has since retired, was the pastor at the time. And 
when we talked with him about it, he, and he's, um, you know, a, a baby boomer generation. He said, Finn is a precious child of God and is perfect just the way she is. And just like nailed the pronouns right away. And I thought to myself, how many trans people or members of the LGBTQ community, you know, in general, have not heard those words from a pastor? Because, you know, religion is oftentimes used as a really sharp weapon. And I thought, if my 99-year-old, you know, if, if a 99-year-old woman can react the way she did, and if a baby boomer pastor can react the way he did, there is hope, truly. There's hope. Yeah, I mean, coming from these places where you think you would get the most resistance instead being met with so much love must have just felt like the biggest weight off your chest. Right. Yeah. These huge people who have been important in your life. Right. And there was no educating them or really having to wait for them to understand or it was just immediate love and support. And that must have just like you probably could just like let out a deep breath. Exactly. I, I wish I could go back to that younger version of myself who was laying awake at night in those early years and say, like, Erica, it's really going to be okay. It really, really is. Yeah. And what, what um, our pastor did that was so impressive was he loved and accepted and supported immediately. And then said, I am here to learn. I'm here to understand, help me understand everything. Whereas I think a lot of people, when we're met with a concept that is new to us or confusing to us or whatever, we want to understand everything first and then we will accept it. And I think that's backwards. I think that's what I learned from this wonderful man is that like, no, love can come first and then we can kind of figure it out later and that's fine. Um, yeah, just love first. I wish I could tell, I wish I could tell a lot of things to that woman lying in bed awake, worrying, you know, um, but, but that would be one yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I bet. I want to play cards with Helen. <laughs> oh, she's the best. She's 101 <laughs> she's now. Still, still doing great. Yeah. You'd probably lose. <laughs> Helen is actually my mother-in-law's name. And it's my, uh, one of the twins middle name. Oh, it's a beautiful name. Beautiful. Name. Yeah. So as soon as you said, Helen, I sort of felt my heart a little tug there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> How was it finding like gender affirming care? Was that available in your community? Yeah. So we're lucky. We live about 45 minutes um, from the Mayo Clinic, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And so our doctor um, just referred us there. And this is a super anticlimactic answer to a really great question. Um, but yeah, we were referred there and we have a team ready to go. Um, there's nothing to do right now. You know, um, puberty has not started yet. Uh, but when it does, we, um, we are fairly certain that we will 
because this is what Finn is wanting to do. Um, you know, it would be just utterly devastating to Finn to go through male puberty. It would be annihilating to go through male puberty. And so by taking puberty blockers, that is going to buy us some more time to just make sure that we're not, you know, making any rash decisions or anything like that. That's going to buy us some time because puberty blockers are like a pause button. The moment you stop them, everything just proceeds as normal, you know? Um, and, you know, this gender-affirming care has obviously been very much politicized and it's, it's so demeaning really to the parents <laughs> because it implies that we are making these decisions about our beautiful children who we care about so deeply and love so deeply and want the best for in the short and long term. It implies that we're making these decisions recklessly and um, it's, it's demeaning to us and it's offensive. And, you know, I would encourage anyone to think about what it might be like for us to have the topic of children's genitals be the favorite topic of a lot of grownups on TV and in state legislatures and on social media every day for months. I would encourage you to like put yourself in our shoes and it's really a lot. And most of us parents are going about this really carefully and methodically and responsibly. And so we're very grateful to have a team ready to go. Um, that's what we'll do first. If everything still seems like uh, Finn is wanting to move in this direction in a couple of years, um, cross sex hormones would be something that she could do. And then a lot of people, you know, the surgery question is extremely controversial and uh, bottom surgery or surgery involving genitals is actually, despite the misinformation out there, it's actually quite rare um, in kids under 18. So that will not be happening with Finn until she's an adult. And whatever Finn decides, her father and I will support her 100%. Yeah, it's so interesting because when we were talking about it, like just, you know, putting the pause and... Um you know, having specialists who can really help guide you on the path that makes a lot of sense. When I was thinking about this, it's like we get all this other information from the outside world. And then, you know, what we often do is just like, look at your child, right? Like, look at your child. Like you saw firsthand the, how, uh, the joy, right. And the confidence that she felt when she could express who she really was right? Like, it's almost like you don't need outside people, like, just look at your child, and she'll tell you. And she did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure this has been clear. But if not, let me just say, this is not a choice <laughs> at all. Um, this is a per this is a person. And, um, you know, sometimes the language is used like 
um, you know, I don't agree. I don't agree with it, but I love your family or whatever. Um, I, I can work with that. Right. I can, I can work with that. I, I have a personal policy. I do not, I will not discuss my daughter or this issue with, with bigots. And luckily I haven't had to do that, but I will not do that. Um, but if people come to the table in good faith, you know, come in peace, really wanting to learn or understand, um, I can, I can handle language like that, that doesn't logically make sense to me. Um, you know, that, uh, to not agree with something implies that Finn's, you know, who Finn is, is a choice for her. Um, it isn't. Or wrong. And no, it's not. Yep. It's not. And if, if we force Finn to act based on, what society decided a long time ago, people with these body parts are supposed to, you know, act this way. She will be in her room upstairs and never come out. And I'm not kidding about that. I am not kidding. And I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't think you would want to either. Um, and yeah, so I just, I hope that as we move forward in a society, as people learn more, I just hope that those for whom this issue is difficult, either for religious reasons or political reasons or whatever, I hope they remember that there are real people like me and like my daughter and her dad um, and a big loving extended family who vote in like all over the spectrum um, that are involved here. Um, I just, I hope people can, remember that we're all real. Uh, but yes, I will not ever have a conversation where I am trying to convince someone of the humanity of my daughter. I will not demean yeah. myself to yeah, that level. Good for you. Good for you. When you said you would accept that other language, I was like, yeah. really? That would be hard for me. I've got like a turn on my fight oh. mode, you know, like you can't, yeah. you can't. And I really respect the fact that you, you know, are using this as an opportunity to, um, you know, teach others and educate others. And it, yeah, especially for the older generation, like I think your grandmother really is hopefully not an outlier, but it, it's harder and harder. I mean, for our, I see it in my teenage daughter, like this, they're like blase about it, right? Like, oh yeah, like it's just something that doesn't even face oh, yeah. them anymore, right? And so that it is a very different world, thankfully, that all these children are growing up in um, because- you know, as I was talking about, you saw the joy, but then you also see the flip side, right? You saw being withdrawn or um, being depressed, right? Like, and that's the dark, scary side that, a, you know, a parent never wants to see their kid struggling with because of anything. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, quick shout out to Finn's fourth grade teacher. So when school started and Finn came out um her teacher and the elementary school principal and john and i and finn and then the social worker we all met and we called ourselves team finn and we decided we would meet periodically throughout the year make sure finn was okay and all of that um 
so we met before school started and we had this plan that her teacher would um, talk with the class uh, one day, a couple weeks into school starting. And um, so that's what he did. I picked up Finn for a, a quote unquote appointment, but I just swung through the parking lot and we, we went home and probably watched RuPaul's Drag Race um, <laughs> because we're big fans. Um, but he, so he told the class, he like read them a book and whatever and told the class, like you, you might be noticing that Finn is wearing different clothes and you may have heard some people calling her she, her, we're, we're all going to call her she, her, that's, that's the best way we can support Finn and respect her and all of that. And here's a book, read the book. Are there any questions or, you know, how can I support you guys or whatever? And he emailed me like 20 minutes after school and said like, yeah, nobody cared. <laughs> Everyone was fine. Like exactly what you were saying. Like they were so blase. I mean, kids, kids are great. <laughs> kids are. Kids are great. <laughs> kids are great. <laughs> yeah. There's so much hope out there. Um, I was really proud. I was, I'm very proud of my small town. Um, Finn is actually, Finn's in middle school now, so in a different building, but um, Finn was the very first openly trans student in her elementary school. And so it was great. Her, her teacher, the principal, social worker, we all got to work together to blaze this trail and I'm, I'm proud of that group, you know, everybody nailed it. It was great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's a town of 4,000 people in the Midwest. You know, there's a lot of hope. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That's like really, really lovely to hear. Right. Like it happens everywhere that people can really just come together. It doesn't have to be in LA where we feel like we're so much more cosmopolitan and things like that. Like, right. Right. Yeah. What what has been the biggest surprise through this whole process for you? Maybe that, I don't know. <laughs> I have I have a couple answers for that actually. <laughs> Naturally. Um one of them is this this really threw me off and I I definitely want people to know this cuz I I didn't even think about this. But photographs of the person before transition, of course, for some might be really difficult. I didn't even think about that. And then one day, uh, probably a month or two after Finn's transition, where she's, you know, loving all these, wearing all these girls clothes and finally feeling like her full self everywhere, not just in that Anna wig and Elsa gown after school for all those years, right? She said to me, I don't like those pictures up because, you know, we have pictures all over our house. And I said, oh, my gosh, Finn, I never I'm so sorry. I did not even think of that. I'm so glad you told me that. And I took them all down. And then for Christmas, John and I, which was just a couple of months later, John and I um, found photos just from that fall, which was some of these photos were kind of a stretch, but we just like printed them off our printer at home and cut around and put her new real self, like t literally taped with scotch tape on the photo, put them back in the frame and then put them in a big box and wrapped it. And she opened it on Christmas Eve because we allowed her to like open one on Christmas Eve. And so we have this photograph of her 
surrounded by all of these framed pictures that are like very haphazardly like taped together. And it's one of my favorite photos of her in her entire life, because you can just tell like, and I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. I'm only saying like, it was so cool to watch her feel seen, you know? And so I tell this story just to give grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, a heads up that if your loved one is transgender, um, it may or may not be difficult for them to see photographs in your home of themselves pre-transition. And you could just kind of quietly take them down or move them into a space where, you know, your bedroom or something where they're not going to be, or you could ask them if you feel comfortable doing so. But I, I never thought of that. And I, I tell Finn, like, you know, things like this, like, thank you so much for telling me I, I'm cisgender. I never would have thought of it. So thank you, you know? And then another thing that surprised me, this is about me. Okay. I have noticed in helping Finn be Finn, you know, helping encourage her, support her, whatever. I've also noticed me becoming more me, you know, I, I've, I'm less like apologetic about things that I want to wear or do with my hair or whatever. Um, Part of that might be like, turning 40 or something like I'm 41 now it's probably like 80% that and then 20% the other but like I've wanted a nose ring since I was 15 years old and I finally got one when I was 40 I was like what am I waiting for right and Karen you can see I have platinum blonde hair right now I wanted to try platinum blonde hair I'm a big pink fan I have I it's a little longer now, but I had really short hair and I wanted like the pink haircut with platinum blonde hair. I did it. Like, what am I waiting for? I was scared to before. Why? So having this person in my home and my family constantly reminding me, like we all get to be just exactly who we are has helped me. (laughs) So that's been really great. And then the other thing that has surprised me and all of you listeners and Karen, you have probably, you'll probably be able to guess this. This has not been a tragedy. You know, a lot of stories from the LGBTQIA community are so sad and it breaks my heart. And as, as more and more is known, we're going to have fewer and fewer tragic stories. And, um, this, this is so hopeful. And I know that our relative ease on this journey is because of those who went before us from, you know, pre Stonewall to after Stonewall. I know that this trail has a lot of sorrow in it, on it. Um, people who've gone before us, dealt with so much family rejection, um, conditional love, deaths of despair. um, And I do not forget them. Like as Finn and her dad and I walk like hand in hand on this trail, 
I feel sometimes like we are passing through other really painful, dark stories and like pausing and honoring them and saying like, it is because of all of you that our daughter can live in the light and not the shadows. Like I never want to forget that ever, ever, ever. Um, And so, yeah, I'm sitting here, not in a tragic story. Um, And I hope that any, anyone out there listening knows that, you know, there is a lot of hope out there. Um, And I hope it just, you know, I hope, I hope it just continues, you know, for my family and for anyone else's, I know there may be speed bumps ahead. I'm not naive, but right now, um, Finn is 11. Right now we're okay. As you were talking, I was just thinking about just how brave it was for all of those trailblazers you spoke about, but also just for kids today. How terrifying and how brave it is for them to try to communicate to adults how they are feeling. Often we can't even talk about how we're feeling, right? But about something that is so layered and for some reason so complicated and politicized at just about who we are at a basic human level. And these kids are doing it. And I just, like, I get chills thinking about it. Like, I can't think about what I was doing when I was like that age, but it was nothing like this, right? Like it was, I had no weight of that or um, something so complicated to try to work through. And these, these kids are freaking heroes. They are. I mean, I never had to explain to my parents who I was. And I never, I certainly never had to worry. And Finn didn't have to worry about this, but many children do, or teenagers or whatever. I never had to worry that my parents' love was conditional, ever. You know, uh, it, it must be, it must be the scariest thing in the world. Um, I mentioned earlier that we're big fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. And, you know, drag is such a joyful art form. <laughs> Another thing that so much myth and disinformation about, I, yeah, um, but that has been such a support to Finn and our family. We've watched every single episode of every single season. And so we've consumed a lot of tragic stories and a lot of really beautiful, hopeful ones too. But to, yeah, to see how many people experienced um, love that was not unconditional um, and how they, they have had to choose you know, they have their chosen family now. Um, and the the tears are so close to the surface for these beautiful men and trans women who are so talented in their art is, um, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, and, and we, we've talked about a very rosy picture in some senses, but there are there are, there's still a very big uphill battle. We see it all. We do see it all the time in the news that not everywhere and not every place feels safe. Not everyone is affirmed. Not everyone is met with so much love. So there are definitely still mountains to climb, but the progress is um, 
hopeful. Yes. And I, I, I hope I haven't made myself sound like, um, Pollyanna. I think, I think I have for my own mental health just chosen to ignore a lot. Um, otherwise I might never get out of bed. Right. Like I remember, um, I remember when Minnesota signed into law that gender affirming care would be protected. And it was such a breath of fresh air or no, sorry, like a sigh of relief really, because, you know, most people don't know this, but John and I had to have a couple of very serious conversations about, uh, you know, because going through male puberty is just not an option for our child. Um, we had a couple of very serious conversations about like that Finn and I would leave um, if it came to that. Luckily, Finn has two aunts on the coast. You know, Katie is in LA. Hi, Katie. And Marin is in Boston. Hello, Marin. Um, we would have found care out there and like flown back and forth. And we like, I accept all privileges like white and otherwise, otherwise. Um, so we would have been okay, but that was also like scary to think about and so disruptive and everything. But anyway, so huge sigh of relief that day. And I remember reading some of the comments, which was really stupid. Right. Um, and I, I don't do that normally, but I did that day and, you know, parents were called child abusers and child molesters and genital mutilators. Like none of these things make sense. Of course, later it occurred to me that they could all be bots, but I ended up in my bed crying that day. I'm like, even though I'm pretty sensitive, I don't, I don't typically like take to my bed and cry. Um, but that, like, I was just like destroyed by that because for at the time, like 10 years, I tried so hard to stay positive and whatever and just to have like gutless people who don't even know what they're talking about um be so nasty was really hard to take and I I laid there for like 20 minutes and then I was like Erica what are you doing you're acting like you have something to be ashamed of like there's nothing here to be ashamed of and so I got right out of bed and like I went about my day and I so I like that is one story and many that I could say where like I I have chosen not to be Pollyanna like I'm real I know the statistics I've studied them very well I I know the I know the suicide rates I know the murder rates I know it all I'm not naive I know that there are people in my town who quote unquote do not agree with our family. I am very happy that they have not said anything to us personally. I know that we have a ton of allies separating them from us. And if any of you are listening, thank you. Um, so I know all of those things, but I have to almost like put that stuff in the care of the allies because I need to be freed up to care for my child 
Do you know what I mean? And so what that does is it actually like in this weird way, it almost makes me see the picture as rosier because we have such good allies. So those of you out there who, who don't have a trans child yourself, but you know one, uh, you know, maybe a family member or a friend, and you are good allies to them and their parents and families, please know it is, it means a hundred times more than you can even understand because what you are doing is allowing them more bandwidth to just freaking be a parent, you know? Um, and so if any of you have thought this whole time, like, yeah, this is like a little rosy, uh, it's because of the allies, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure it hasn't been all rosy. I, I know. I, we, when we talked about how terrifying it was for you when you were sh- like navigating this at the beginning, but you know, one of the things we always say is like the best thing you can do for your, like is take care of your family. Right. And that's your job. And that's the most important thing you can do in on this path is to really protect and take care of your family. And that's what you're doing. And then, as you said, allies who have more bandwidth can, you know, really stand up when needed. That's a really good reminder. I, I've been told mm-hmm. by some allies that they've had some really difficult, even heated conversations with people here that obviously I've not known about. And it's so amazing because like I'm home watching the Simpsons with John and Finn being a family and they're doing this work. So we don't have to, you know, um, it's really, there's only so much you can take on too. There's, I mean, there's just so much, right. And that's not where your effort really, really should be. What advice would you give others navigating this process with a, a child? Um, so th- I promise there's a punchline here. I'll try to get to it quickly. Uh, when I was younger, I was so sure about so many things. Um, as I get older, I'm much more humble about what I may or may not be right about. <laughs> I think that tends to happen. Um, and I'm, I actually find myself like, very skeptical of people who are very sure and have very, very easy black and white answers to things. I tell my students that all the time. Um, But when it comes to loving my daughter and supporting her and encouraging her to be exactly who she is, I know I'm right. I've never wavered on this. And my advice to parents like myself is like, you know, you're right. And just own it. Like know that inside that soul of yours, you're right. Um, and I actually, I asked Finn this question because you sent a couple questions. Thank you. <laughs> so that I could prepare a little bit. And I asked him this question because I thought, like, I want to know what you would tell parents. And she very, like, rightfully pointed out, mom, I'm not a parent of a trans kid. I'm a trans kid. 
So my advice is to the trans kids. I'm like, okay, fair. Um, so <laughs> to all the trans kids out there, uh, and by the way, I wrote down my answer before I asked her this. I kid you not. This is what Finn said to me. She said, you know, you are right. You know who you are. And I was like, Finn, that's exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. Look at that. And this is not something we've talked about. And so that's the advice from Finn Peterson and her mom, Erica Peterson. Like, you know, you're right. Kids, you know who you are. You know who you are. And parents, you know, you are right in loving them, supporting them, encouraging them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. I literally got cheers when you said that. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of tears, too. I love love that you had the same exact answer and it all goes back to um, just looking at your kid like clearly and honoring that and not fighting it. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a lot easier to love than anything else. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation and seeing you again and learning your beautiful story. And I'm so, so appreciative of you being so open because I think it will help a lot, a lot of people. So thank you for that. I hope, I hope it helps. And thank you so much for having me. A giant thank you for listening. To help support the podcast, please subscribe to never miss an episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a five-star rating and review. You can reach us by email, podcast at familyroomcenter.com with questions, guest ideas, or to say hi. Also, follow us on Instagram at The Family Room for more support. Thanks again, and remember, you are doing great.